What is going on, OWS fam, DFS fam, YouTube fam, podcast fam? Welcome to the Week 8 DFS Lab edition number one, where Keegan, KTM128, and I will be going through a DraftKings build and talking through some of our early thoughts on the Week 8 slate. For those of you who are new to this video or new to this podcast or new to OWS, I uh, want to remind you that the NFL Edge, which is the game-by-game -game breakdown, is also available on the One Week Season podcast feed. You can find that Friday mornings. Play it at 2x speed. You'll catch full breakdown, top-to-bottom breakdown of all of the games on the main slate in about 45 to 50 minutes. Uh, I was thinking about that this morning and wanted to shout that out for any of you who have been missing out on that. But with that, let's dive into this week's DFS Lab. One Week Season. You know what's funny, Keegan? I listen to all OWS podcasts on 2x speed. So playing that song right there and hearing it like at normal speed, I felt like I was in slow motion because <laughs> I always just hear it. Uh, I hear it at 2x speed on the podcast. But uh, yeah. yeah, we're here. We're in slow motion. Hopefully you guys are listening to us at 2x speed, catching all of our thoughts uh, in faster than real time. But Keegan, how you doing, man? Um, I'm doing all right. A little bit under the weather. Got a nasty headache going on, but other than that, I'm happy to be here. You got the Bijan Robinson headache going. Yeah, I got the Bijan Robinson headache. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arthur Smith is one of my favorite head coaches because he's like he he's really into like teaching reporters when they ask questions, but it's always like teaching them what was dumb about their question, essentially in a, in a roundabout way. But uh, yeah, obviously with the, and and. Arthur Smith, you know, Falcons head coach is one of these guys who's like, he appreciates the fact that fantasy football brings a lot of attention to the NFL. appreciates the fact that all these advanced analytics and, and film breakdown artists on Twitter bring, bring a lot of attention to the NFL, but also like, that's not where his interests are. So um, like all the questions about Bajan Robinson were obviously like, Hey, like he was active. So fantasy footballers and betters were expecting him to get touches. And it was like, and, and Arthur Smith is just like, disinterested in in everyone's deep care about that but yeah weird situation where he played a few snaps early missed the rest of the game and then came on for one snap late in the game um typically wouldn't expect that but arthur smith basically said that you get a different look from the defense when Bijan's on the field and for that particular play they they needed Bijan on the field for the look they would get from the defense put him out there for that one play at the end of the game and uh, that was it so yeah should um draw a lot of attention off of him this week unfortunately Really tough matchup against Tennessee. But uh, yeah, that's kind of some early, deeper thoughts on players. Uh, any thoughts on this week's slate? You had a chance to look through it yet? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, this week is like a, a juicy week. You know, there's like a lot of good spots to look at. And that kind of scares me just because there's so many spots to go to that you could you have a higher chance of getting it wrong. You know? Yeah, yeah. In some weeks, there's a clearer path to where to go you know yeah that's a good way to put it in a week where lots of things look good or in a week where lots of things look bad in a week where there's not clear separation uh you have a greater chance of just messing up right because you're like well this is a good play and you're on it and it's not the the good play that hits um on a week like this i was kind of feeling that way until last night so for any of you who are newer to the show uh keegan is we say somewhat casual DFS player who's like putting yeah. in the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, been playing for a couple of years, learning the ropes, getting better and better. 
And conceptually, the idea behind this show is he's kind of the proxy for the, for the audience asking the questions that you guys might be having in your minds, working through the slate uh, in the way that you might be working through it. Uh, I've been playing DFS for 10 years, uh, ran premium content at Roto-Grinders for a while, I've been running OWS for six years now, this is our sixth year. And um, so one of the things that I do every week on OWS, we, as I mentioned at the top, we have the NFL edge where we break down every game from top to bottom, primarily from a coaching perspective, how each team's going to try to win the game, what the game environment will look like as a result, what that means for DFS. And then our writers, researchers who write the NFL edge, they add their DFS interpretations on Friday. I have my DFS interpretations for each game that go in by the end of the day on Thursday. So I was working on those yesterday and diving into the research in order to sort through like what plays stand out by the research and doing that really started to make the slate more clear to me where it felt it started to feel less and less like what you were saying, where it's like, Oh, there's a lot of things to like. Um, so yeah, maybe we'll get to some of those components today in today's show and, and just like players you ask about or players I talk about, will hit on some things that are standing out to me. And then obviously uh, if you're a subscriber on OWS, you'll catch all the DFS interpretations by the end of today, Thursday. Uh, and my player grade will come out on Friday evening as always. So yeah, it's funny because the NFL week, you know, like what happened last Tuesday feels like two months ago because the NFL week is so packed. Even like this Tuesday, my flight to Oakland to reserve my entries, it feels like multiple weeks ago. So um, yeah, it's kind of funny because as of two days ago, I, I probably felt the exact same way as what you're saying. And then now this morning, I'm like, oh, no, I don't really feel that way at all. <laughs> but it's just like that extra day of research has kind of uh, opened up my like a little bit clearer paths of what separates certain plays from other plays. So, um, yeah, I actually kind of think with that, we might want to pull up the your DraftKings um, yeah. build a little bit early because then we can kind of start poking around on some of these players and maybe – you know, again, we can typically assume that you are a good proxy for the audience, given the amount of time that you have to focus on this stuff, how much time the typical person has to focus on this stuff. So if you're feeling this way, probably a lot of viewers, listeners are feeling this way. Like I said, I was feeling this way a couple of days ago. So uh, yeah, let's, let's buy ourselves some extra time to work through uh, some of these players, some of these situations. Uh, what are some of the spots you've been seeing that stand out to you? Where do you want to start this build? Some questions that you have, uh, wherever you want to go. Um, yeah, so one of the like main questions that I have, um, there's a few spots that really stand out, but, uh, one of like the big question marks, like in my head is the, um, Eagles commanders game. Could this game be very one-sided or could it be a high scoring game? Yes. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is um, the likeliest outcome in that? Like, okay. So what, what I, I mean, mean like, um, could it be like a very one-sided game? Like if if we think it's going to be more of a one-sided game, can we take some pieces from that and say that like early on they're going to get a lot of points and then they're just going to start running it? So maybe we'll grab um, AJ Brown and stick him on there, like just as like a separate piece to another game that we're going to play. So say we'll play like the Chiefs Broncos game as our main thing. Obviously, it's going to be really expensive to do that, but if we were able to, would that work? Yeah. No. There's definitely there's there's viable justification for completely building around this game. There's viable justification for uh, taking just individual pieces from this game. There's viable justification for saying, I mean, there's 13 games on the slate, right? So you don't want to box yourself in and say, oh, well, this game could shoot out. So I have to build around it. Uh, obviously most of us are building more than one roster, but in terms of thinking through how we want to 
assess this game and match it up against the rest of the slate, there's definitely justification for saying, okay, I want a piece of this Eagles offense on all of my rosters. Now it becomes a little bit interesting when you look at the price tags, right? Where AJ Brown in my winter circle podcast this week, which is kind of our training podcast, midweek training podcast that we do every week. The, I was talking about biases that we have toward players or teams and um, going through like a lot of different situations of where we need to be adjusting our biases. So last year, Philadelphia was so difficult to pass on that week in and week out, they were up by like 20 points at halftime or 20 points partway through the third quarter. And so everyone perceived them to be this run heavy team and they really weren't. They would always be pass heavy at the start of the game, but then they would just take the foot off the gas. So because of that, A.J. Brown was perceived as this guy who was really volatile. Sometimes he'd see the target, sometimes he wouldn't. And that was more a function of Philadelphia being so far ahead so frequently that A.J. Brown just wasn't needed deeper into those games. Uh, this year, A.J. Brown is right there in that Jamar Chase, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup type range of targets where his last, uh, let's, let's see, I might have these notes over here, uh, exactly what they were. Okay, I don't, but the, um, yeah, you can actually pull up A.J. Brown on, on your end, but his last five games, you know, it's been like an eight target game, a nine target game, and then like the, the rest of these have all been, um, you know, these 13, 14, 15 target games. Five straight games of 125 receiving yards, which ties the NFL record set by Calvin Johnson. So, um, yeah, A.J. Brown, when we say, you know, play one piece from the Eagles, you can play one piece from the Eagles on every roster, it's like, well, that, who is that? You know, it's like A.J. Brown who costs 8K. Uh, it's DeAndre Swift who's still really underpriced. He actually has, what was it? I think it's 14 carries inside the 10-yard line, uh, 12 carries inside the 10-yard line. So compare this to other guys priced up way above him. DeAndre Swift, 12 carries inside the 10-yard line. Travis Etienne, six carries inside the 10-yard line. Saquon Barkley, four carries inside the 10-yard line. So the touchdowns haven't been there yet for Swift, but there's going to be that game where he has two or three touchdowns. And in terms of his usage, his pre-touchdown production, he's really underpriced. So, um, yeah, you could kind of go that either or DeAndre Swift, uh, AJ Brown, some Dallas Goddard, and spread that out a bunch across of your uh, across a bunch of your rosters. You can even play Swift and AJ Brown together. Uh, as for the game, you know, so Washington, uh, I was doing my research on this game this morning. Uh, Washington, twenty seventh in pass defense DVOA. They've allowed 279-plus passing yards to five different quarterbacks. Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Justin Field, Desmond Ritter, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, outside of Hurts, that's not like a who's who of great passing quarterbacks, Russ and Fields and Ritter and Tyrod. Um, they've allowed Mims, Diggs, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore, and Drake London to all top 100 yards. A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore went for 175-plus. Uh, so that's basically the like the Philly side is really attractive. On the flip side, the Washington Commanders third in the NFL in pass rate over expectation. So they pass the ball a lot and they pass the ball even more than they would be expected to based on their situations. Philadelphia, the number one run defense by DVOA, faced the highest opponent pass play rate, 70% pass play rate, which to put that into context, usually the team that leads the NFL in pass play rate is going to be like 66, 67%. So the, like the average week against Philadelphia would lead the NFL in pass attempts throughout the season. In other words, like take all the quarterbacks that play Philadelphia throughout the season, add them all up, and they're going to have more pass attempts than whatever quarterback has the most pass attempts in the NFL at the end of the year. So uh, tilts opponents heavily toward the air. And Sam Howell has kind of had this massive up and down type of season. 
uh, took five sacks in the first half last week against the Giants, a Giants team that had only five sacks on the entire season coming into the game. Uh, part of that's a function of the offensive line. Uh, pro football focus grades the offensive line well, but sort of most advanced metrics and film watchers are like, well, the, the offensive line as a whole, like maybe the individual pieces grade well, but the offensive line as a whole is not doing well. But then Sam Howell also holds on to the ball too long. So this could go either way. It could be like, you mean a sack kills a drive, right? So you get about 10 drives in a game, you take five sacks, like that's five opportunities for the drive to just get completely killed. So it could be a situation where like the Eagles just stomp Washington, or it could be a situation where Washington is able to keep pace, throwing the ball, throwing the ball, throwing the ball to these good weapons they have. Uh, it becomes an interesting game. Washington has played Philadelphia really close last year and this year. So um, yeah, I think it's an interesting game all the way around. And I think that Hurts, A.J. Brown, DeAndre Swift, Howell, McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, um, Dallas Goddard, like all those guys are very interesting this week. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for that insight on that game. Um, now that we did a little bit of uh, digging into that game, I kind of want to pivot over to the um, Panthers-Texans game and just talk about that a little bit and just see um, – Price-wise, I really like a lot of the price points on these guys, you know, compared to like a lot of the other games where you're paying up for a lot of these like elite wide receivers and elite quarterbacks. Um, whereas, you know, Thielen is getting the same amount of points as these guys. Yeah. Yeah. And Thielen's not, you know, I said my hot take on my Rotor Grinder show two weeks ago was that pretty soon we would be paying 6,700 for Thielen and be happy to do it. Um, and yeah. here he is now at 6,600. I don't know that people will be happy to do it. You know, and if you're building in the app, you see the red, I think it's seventh, like seventh fewest fantasy points allowed to wide receiver. Oh, it's here on the, on the screen too. Uh, yeah. Fifth. So you see the red fifth and that kind of chases some people off. Um, yeah. So, you know, if you've been watching the show, you've heard me mention pre touchdown PPR scoring, which allows us to get a sense of just usage rather than the noise of touchdowns. Uh, Adam Thielen, this is nuts. So let's throw out week one when he didn't have this role quite yet. Adam Thielen has 19.5 pre-touchdown PPR points per game. To put that into context, A.J. Brown has 19. Tyreek Hill has 20.5. Christian McCaffrey, uh, I haven't calculated since, since this last game, but he came into this last week with 17.5. So Adam Thielen is producing and then you got these other high price guys like saquon barkley's at 13.3 uh cd lamb's at 13.9 like the only competition for adam thielen for what he's been doing is christian mccaffrey tyree kill aj brown jamar chase cooper cup so the fact that he's still priced where he's priced is really attractive um if you've you followed the NFL for like two or three years. So it's easier for you to be like, oh, nice. Adam Thielen's doing this. He'll keep doing it. If you've been following it for 10 years, you're like, dude, Adam Thielen's a dusty old vet. Um, you know, he was cast off by the Vikings last year. So it's interesting. Two years ago, I think it was two years ago, Adam Thielen dealt with injuries all year. Last year, he just had a poor season. And it was kind of like, oh, Adam Thielen's done. He's only, I think he's 32. Like he's not so old that he should be dusty. And I mentioned in the show earlier in the year that he looks a lot less dusty than he did last year. The thing that really stands out to me in this spot is his average depth of target is 7.8 yards down the field. Uh, last year it was 9.7. 7.8 yards down the field. The defense is like Adam Thielen is essentially the Panthers can't run the ball and he's essentially their run game. And yes, the defense doesn't want him to just keep piling up easy catches. But if you're Houston, what's more important to you? Like 
forcing them to continue to work underneath. A lot of times this chess match that coaches will have, it's like, well, if you have to march the whole field, you're going to make a mistake at some point. You're going to take a sack, have a penalty and not be able to convert that next first down and have to punt it or have to kick the field goal. So Houston's not necessarily going to be, this is the way I'm seeing it at least, they're not necessarily going to be super aggressive, like crashing down on Adam Thielen and saying, let's take away these passes to Thielen. So I see this continuing this week and being the type of situation where it's like, why would they not continue to give him 10 to 14 targets? And why would Houston be like, let's sell out and stop these short passes because they're still going to be able to stop them from scoring points. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I really like Thielen this week. And it's kind of one of those where it's like, if I'm wrong this week, that's okay. Cause then his price will go down a little bit people will come off him and then I'll be right on him next week. Like this role isn't going to change for him. And um, yeah, I mean, what he's doing is just absurd for a, for a, you know, a veteran type fill in player, you know, he's, he's having like a 2021 Cooper cup type year, yeah. except like six years older than cup was that year <laughs> on yeah. a, on a bad team with like short area work. So yeah, no, I think that Thielen's a sharp, I think Thielen's a sharp call and like sharper than, when you just look at it, you're like, there's no way this can keep up. But when you think through it, it's like, well, why wouldn't it? Right. Why would Houston say, let's throw, we've got to do everything we can to take away these seven yard passes to Adam Thielen. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. Awesome. Um, is there, are there any other things you want to talk about like with this game or um, do you want to move on? I have one more game I want to talk about before we start building a lineup. But... Yeah. I, I, I like Stroud. Interestingly um, Stroud's last Four games, 30 pass attempts, 30 pass attempts, 35 pass attempts, 27 pass attempts. Uh, facing a Carolina team that faces the lowest opponent pass play rate in the NFL, Carolina is so easy to run against and it's typically trailing games that teams run against them. So I have a hard time seeing Stroud going north of like that 30 pass attempt range. You know, could get up to 32, 33 if they just dominate and have the ball a ton. Um so yeah, that that kind of puts Nico in this fringe, like four to six target range based on the, what he's seen in usage in those types of games. So Nico Collins is so interesting because he's really underpriced for the ceiling he's shown. Uh, but then it's also like, well, is the usage going to be there? So um, nothing prohibitive in the matchup. Jeremy Chin still out for the Panthers. Uh, I think Von Bell is back. These are their safeties, um, but they're missing, a. I think their next man up at safety. They're missing two safeties still, I believe. So um still like a soft matchup through the air, nothing that really prevents the Texans from doing well through the air so much as, well, the Texans will run the ball. That That's actually an in interesting spot to me because last week was the first week that Devin Singletary stepped into like a higher snap share over Damian Pierce. But then you wonder, was that more game plan specific or is there more of a changing of the guards? So Damian Pierce has had a really rough start to the season. I mean, he set up so well in this spot because Carolina just gets smashed for yards. They get smashed for touchdowns. They cannot stop the run and it's not going against CJ Stroud and, and the Texans. It's not as if they're going to say, Hey, let's just sell out to stop the run and force them to beat us through the air. That would be idiotic. So um, yeah, the Damian Pierce situation is very interesting to me this week. And I, I don't mind question marks because you would imagine that more people will leave that spot alone because they just won't know what to do with it. Uh, and if you guess right, then you're in great shape. So, uh, yeah, I have an eye on Damian Pierce this week in this game as well. Yeah, um, I do as well. Um, obviously, I'm not like going to be super heavy on it just because of how he has been this season, how uh, his role has been. But uh, I like CJ Stroud. I think you, you talked about biases, like creating biases earlier, uh, 
earlier. And um, I like from game one, I just watching CJ Stroud play, I think I've created like more of a positive bias for him, which could be could end up like hurting me. But um, I do like this matchup as well. So, yeah, I don't think it'll hurt you. I mean, nobody can sack him. Nobody can. And it's not just Stroud. It's the Bobby Slowick came over from the 49ers offensive coordinator of the Texans. And, you know, who else came from the, the 49ers? Well, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan runs the 49ers. Mike McDaniel came from the 49ers uh, over to the Dolphins. Like just this, these guys who have the Shanahan offensive concepts, but then have also worked with Shanahan, um, whether because, you know, Shanahan works with guys whose minds work similar to his or because they picked up stuff from him or whatever it is. But yeah, Slowick is designing this offense in such a way that it's not like the Texans have this great offensive line, but they're able to scheme things up quickly, get guys open quickly. Stroud doesn't take, like if you look through game logs, um, like every team that the Texans have played when I'm looking through their game logs, doing research for whoever they're playing that week, you'll notice like uh, they got three sacks against this team, three sacks against this team, five sacks against this team, zero sacks against CJ Stroud. You know, it's like, um, so Stroud's just like always going to be positioned well. This offense is always going to be positioned well. So yeah, the one, the one, like dent this week is just the passing volume. You kind of need the Panthers to be able to keep pace in some way, or maybe slow down the run uh, in order for those pass- passes to pile up. Or you need Stroud to have one of those like thirty pass attempt, three hundred yard games, which are a little tougher to come by. And and see like this. So another thought I have: this is like what I mean by this is the type of week where you have a lot of things that can go wrong because this is like a it's a nice game, like on paper, but is this the game that's going to bring you to the top, get you first place? Like, is this a game that's going to score higher than uh, Eagles, Washington, um, Chiefs, Broncos, you know, like is, is yeah. this those games? That's, yeah. that's the, the scary part. The, yeah. There's always price considered elements too, but yeah. yeah, I mean like the Panthers haven't been able to score points. Right. So it's like, what are the chances that this turns into a shootout? What are the chances that Stroud, like, I'm always one of the things that uh, I'll say this um, in terms of like this is useful in a week like this for you, for anybody listening. One of the things that helps me to narrow down my list on a week where everything seems clumped up is who can get me 30 points. Um, Because if we start thinking like that, who can actually win me a tournament, then it's different from who can have a good game. And so what are the pathways to Stroud? having 30 points. Well, we have to describe that. He has to put up 325 passing yards and three, tu- three passing touchdowns that gets you up to 28 points on DraftKings, uh, and then run for about, for about 20 yards. So in order for Strad to put up that like 28 to 30 point game, he needs a monster effort in a game against a team that tends to tilt opponents toward the ground. Uh, most of the touchdowns against the Panthers come on the ground not likely to have a lot of passing volume. So you would actually need Bryce Young to come off the bye playing really well and be able to move the move the ball against the Texans defense. And so then you almost get to a point where you're like, hey, maybe it's not just Thielen, but maybe it's Thielen and Mingo or Thielen and Shark paired with a C.J. Stroud roster because you have to tell the story of how C.J. Stroud ends up passing for 325 yards and three touchdowns. It could randomly happen, but the likeliest way for it to happen is a, is a – close game where the Panthers are actually scoring points. Uh, and that's not the likeliest scenario. So once you kind of work through, I always say demystify the slate, turn, turn it into raw numbers. Once you can kind of turn that into raw numbers of what would, what type of score would you need and what do those stats look like? And then what type of game environment would produce those stats? And really that should be, that should start becoming second nature 
in terms of those calculations. Um, 300 passing yards, you get the bonus. So that's 15 points. Um, and then, you know, each passing touchdown is four points. So like always 300 yards and three touchdowns is 27 points. Um, and then you can go through a player's game logs and see like, does this quarterback run enough to add an extra couple points? And, um, you know, 30 is, it's a round number, right? So it's like, you look at that, if they get 27, 28, that's the same sort of thing at this price tag, but um, you got to get in the habit of being like, okay, so how do they get 30 points? What would those numbers look like? And then is that realistic in this game environment? Because then it starts to help you understand a little bit. It's like, if everything, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see me do this. If you're listening, you can't, but if everything is kind of level like this, it starts to like move some pieces down, some pieces up, right? Maybe not a ton, but you get these like these tilts to where you're like, okay, this piece actually moves up a little bit higher based on what I'm running in my calculations. This piece moves down a little bit lower. Uh, I was talking to you before the show about uh, Utica's roster that had the double tight ends and won, won some tournaments this last week. Uh, Utica's pretty low-key DFS player in terms of he's not a public-facing DFS player, but been in the game for about 10 years, one of the top DFS players this whole time. And he recently did a, like a one-off show with Pete Overzet, and he was talking about how he doesn't use projections and basically like him knowing ball is the projection system. And he was the first person I'd heard say that besides me in, in terms of like, Oh, I'm not the only person who works through the slate this way. But I think that a lot of quote casual players would be really well served working through the slate in that way, because then you like turn it into like, instead of can this guy have a good game? It's like, okay, what is a good game? A good game is this number of points. Okay. What stats would be this number of points? And then does that actually make sense in that game, in this game environment? Kind of makes it a little bit easier to let go of some plays that you're like, oh, but this guy could have a good game. I like this guy. Um, and then get on to other plays that you might not have been on where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy actually could have this 30-point game. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's a, a valuable piece to think about. Yeah, that's um, that's really sharp. Um, obviously, like, can he hit that? Yes. Is it the likeliest outcome? Probably not. Um, yeah. I yeah. haven't seen him get three passing touchdowns yet if I'm correct. Let's I find out. Jackpot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So. Which, yeah, isn't to say he can't, but it's just to recognize like how the offense is going to run, how teams, you know, play against Carolina. And uh, another thing, you know, I've mentioned this to you, I've mentioned this on the show before, but uh, one of the most valuable things you can do is just keep building up NFL information. And one of the best ways to do that is, you know, a lot of the sharpest people I know don't do any research themselves but they listen to a lot of stuff uh, because, you know, if I'm doing 20 hours of research and you listen to my stuff, you're going to pick up things from me in 30 minutes of listening that, you know, might've taken me all this time to collect all this information. Uh, same thing with why I always recommend listening to the NFL edge, uh, throw it on, on, on Friday mornings to X speed. And it, in 45 minutes you've captured uh, I mean, I would imagine each NFL edge game is minimum an hour, sometimes an hour and a half of research, uh, a lot of times Mike watches all the games that he's writing up as, as well, like previous games from these teams. So like the number of research hours that you get in 45 minutes of listening to those, uh, it's so powerful. And then all of that starts to become information that's in your head. Like you're like, oh, you can look at a match and be like, oh yeah, Carolina is really bad against the run and teams run a lot against them. You don't have to go look up those numbers because you just know that from uh, consuming this information and all kind of gets stored in your head over time. Yeah, it's that. And like, you know, the people that are doing the research, they have um, their processes that obviously they're going to get their research um, figured out a lot quicker than someone like myself who's going to be like, yeah. okay, how am I going to find this? How am I going to find yeah, this? Yeah. You can 
you're like, okay, I know what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to do it. And you have your process of yeah. finding research. So, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've been doing this for nine years of like the deeper research where it's like, I know exactly what sites I'm using for exactly what stats. And it's, um, it's like muscle memory, you know, I'm like, I'm like clicking around on tabs based on what order they're in on my, on my uh, Google Chrome to where it's like, okay, I need this information that I click on this tab just because I know like from muscle memory exactly where it is in my set of information. So uh, yeah, yeah. So like whatever is like, like 10 hours for me might be like two or three yeah. hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just consume this information, listen to this stuff and keep picking it up. <laughs> Um, all right. You said you had another game that you wanted to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it like it looks like a very ugly game. But I mean, I just want to know what your thoughts are on it. And that is the uh, Jets Giants. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything so that, that's interesting. Um, Brees Hall. I mean, that's really that's really it for me. That's about it. Brees Hall. Yeah. So, so Zach Wilson just killed your confidence there completely. No, no. I mean, you know, like what are they? Uh, I think Zach Wilson, like, I, and I've been saying this since before, before the Kansas city game, like I think Zach Wilson looks like a really solid NFL quarterback, but being a solid NFL quarterback doesn't necessarily translate to stats for us. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, the, I don't think this is in my notes for, it was in my notes for my inner circle pods. So let me see if I can find it. Okay, here it is. So Garrett Wilson has played 15 games with Zach Wilson. Okay. So that's almost a full season. His best game with Zach Wilson is 20.5 DraftKings points. And his second best game is 17.9. So imagine flipping through the game logs of somebody's full season. And you see that like they've never cracked 21 points and they've topped 18 points only once. Would you be like, oh, I got to get this guy at 6,300 and like relative, like he always grabs like 10% to 12% ownership, you know? And that's because he's so good, right? He's played eight games without Zach Wilson. He's put up 26 plus DraftKings points in three of those eight games. But even if he somehow gets to like 22, 24, 26 points with Zach Wilson, that helps everybody who rostered him, but it doesn't kill you for not having had him. So players like that, if, if it's like most of the time they're going to hurt you and every once in a while they're going to like reward you, but not to a point where it's like, Oh God, I had to have this guy. Right. Like Garrett Wilson's probably not putting up 35 points to where you're just like, well, there goes my weekend. I didn't have him. So I generally just avoid guys like that. I let everybody else kind of take their 15 points. Uh, Jets defense is so good. Like I don't want the giants passing attack. Uh, the, the jets have made like, I mean, they place, they've faced so many good, quarterbacks this year none of them have had a, a big fantasy game against them um the jets have given up one receiving touchdown to wide receivers one or two receiving touchdowns to running backs five to tight ends but all of those tight end touchdowns have been like scrub tight ends to where you're down close to the goal line and you're taking away all the main weapons and this guy's getting open. So it's like Waller is the primary weapon on the Giants. So what are the chances that the Jets down close to the goal line are going to be like, oh, we lost track of Waller. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I just I have a hard time seeing how a tournament winning score comes uh, out of this. And actually like the no ball people, like you listen to podcasts, people who watch film and maybe former NFL players, people who know the NFL really well they're all talking about how good the Giants defense is um, based on like advanced analytics, DVOA and um, some other numbers like the Giants defense is bad. So there's kind of a, a push and pull there of 
you know, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Kevon Thibodeau on the, on the defensive line, like those are really good run stopping pieces and they've done good against the run so far. And then you look at DVOA and it's like, Oh, the giants are really bad against the run. So that could still show up. Right. And they've given up some long runs. They've given up some uh, bigger games to running back. So yeah, Brees Hall, I think is very interesting. Um, and that's really, yeah, that's as far as it goes for me. Saquon, should be able to do well in this spot. Uh, you know, that's the weakness of the Jets defense, but well enough to post a tournament winning score at his price tag. That would be hard for him to do. So, um, yeah, that's that's okay. kind of where I'm at. Yeah, uh, yeah the think- uh, Giants 28th in adjusted line yards on defense. They've given up the second most rushing yards to running back. So, yeah, Brees Hall is definitely interesting, and that's really as far as I go on this one. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I think I'm just um, wanting it to be good like uh, have you ever seen a game and you're just like you want it again i'm I'm, i guess i'm very biased in like a lot of my my opinions but uh yeah that's about it i just i I want to see this game be decent and obviously it's a really trash game but uh, yeah and you can always build like a uh a cohesive thing like story around it and have a roster where you're like what if this game does go off you know and what would that mean but you don't then then you like isolate the way I look at that is it's it's like a disease, right? You want to like sequester it, you want to isolate it onto one roster. You don't want to be like <laughs> this disease spread across all my rosters. So you've got like your one Jets Giants. Let's say you're building 25 rosters, right? You're yeah. like, here's my Jets Giants roster, and then like it's sequestered here, and then here's the rest of my my pieces sort of across my builds. Yeah. So just one outlier and then like just forget about that game. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna say like. Kansas City and Denver or something like that. You came with um with the Jets. <laughs> no, I actually want to talk about that game tomorrow. Um, definitely a tomorrow topic. Uh, all right, so we'll save that one. We'll save that one. We'll save the good stuff. Um, yeah. All right, so roster build. Uh, with all that, I think we should try and um, build around this game. The sorry for anybody who's like listening. The Texans Panthers game, and then maybe try and add in um, AJ Brown or Devon uh, Swift. I like that. I like that. It fits with what we've talked about. Uh, Keegan, do you remember uh, our road trip um, up here when we listened to a little bit of Mitch Hedberg, comedian? Um, I remember our road trip. I don't remember like who we listened to. Uh, yeah, he's got a joke where he's like, uh, Mitch Hedberg, legendary comedian, died way too young. But he has a joke where he's like, I'm going to do a bunch of jokes where it requires the actual seeing me for the people to get the joke. <laughs> he's like it's like recording a cd he's like then the cd will piss people off <laughs> and then he like does a bunch of jokes that yeah i, I do remember that. If you're watching. <laughs> uh when you said when you said this game right here it made me think of that um all right so yeah let's um how do we want to build around this this houston game do we want to do the, like the houston run game do we want to do stroud and nico um we want to do obviously we'll throw Thielen on there and yeah, then kind of on there right now um, what do you want to do on the houston side Let's so we obviously need to save some salary here. So um, price wise, I guess we could try and grab Pierce. We'll grab Pierce. Um, I guess it looks like Stroud's the most expensive one on here, to be honest, after Thielen. Um, yeah, I mean the Texans are not that expensive. Um, yeah, you know what's what's um, what's cool about grabbing somebody like Damian Pierce is running back isn't like if you compare running back to wide receiver running backs thin in terms of where you're spending your salary, you know, like if you're going to pay up, 
you'd rather pay up for AJ Brown than take one Barkley because who's likely to score AJ Brown. Um, Raheem Mostert is actually the most interesting pay. Well, obviously Christian McCaffrey, but um, Raheem Mostert's the most interesting pay up option below nine K still not a great matchup against the Patriots. In fact, the Patriots uh, kind of a crazy list. Let me see if I can find this real quickly. Um, Well, it's somewhere in my notes. I'll, I'll have to wait. No, no, here it is. Okay, so here's some players the Patriots have faced, okay? Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa, Josh Allen, DeAndre Swift, Brees Hall, Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, A.J. Brown, Tyreek Hill, C.D. Lamb, Chris Alave, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs. Those are all players the Patriots have faced this year. The Patriots have given up one DraftKings score that would be worth using all season in spite of playing all those players. Uh, and that was Raheem Mostert back in week two. Um not to say that means he'll hit again, but just to say, like, you know, the Patriots can give up longer runs, and Mostert has that speed that he can score from anywhere in the field. You're probably not getting a tournament-winning score against the Patriots, but if you do, like, Mostert would be the way to go. Um, but, yeah, like, again, we're having to really justify the Mostert play. Derrick Henry against his great run defense of Atlanta. Uh, Tony Pollard, who actually is going to have a game where he has multiple touchdowns. He's near the top of the league and carries inside the 10-yard line. But, um but yeah, they went kind of down to this like Pollard and Camaro range. So it's paying down at running back is really nice because then you just free up salary for the uh, the wide receiver position. Okay, sweet. Yeah. Um, do we want to pay down twice or do we want to get an expensive running back as well? Obviously, we're kind of getting I'm off the way. I, with, with the game scenario, but um, yeah. Yeah, I've been kind of like letting my wide receiver or my pay up at wide receiver decision dictate – what I'm going to do at, um, at running back as in like, as opposed to just saying like, okay, do I want to pay up for the running back? I want to say like, well, what wide receivers are available? Right. And there are wide receivers who are available every week right now in the 5k range who can score you 30 points. So you don't have to pay up at wide receiver, but it, it kind of comes down to how you handle the slate. Like Nico Collins can score 30 points. Terry McLaurin can score 30 points. Um, I haven't really looked at Hollywood Brown much with Kyler Murray coming back, but technically could score you 30 points. Drake London can get you 25 points. Uh, George Pickens can score you 30 points. Jordan Addison can score you 30 points. Calvin Ridley can score you 30 points. Christian Kirk can score you 30 points. T Higgins can score 30 points. So like you don't have to pay up at wide receiver, but then again, there's a lot of strong options if you are paying up at wide receiver. So um, yeah, either way works. It'll kind of let you decide if we want to go wide receiver next, or if we want to, um, you know, well, at this point, we could even decide what we want to do for like quarterback wide receiver pairing. Um, yeah, let's do. Um, would it work if we if we threw in Stroud paired him with um, Nico Collins? Yeah, so we could do that. What you're kind of saying at that point then is you almost want to throw in that that extra Panthers piece at that point because yeah. you're saying like, okay, this the the turning it into raw numbers again, right? Now, if we're putting the full stack in, we don't necessarily need 30 points from Stroud. We can take like a 4X salary multiplier across the board. Um, So Stroud throws for 300 yards, cracks the 300-yard bonus, which, again, we know he's probably only going to throw like 30 to 33 pass attempts. So he has to be hitting big plays, which that would mean Nico Collins hitting. So this pairs really nicely in this game environment um, or, or this bet that we're making. So... Then we're saying like, okay, Texans score four touchdowns and Damian Pierce ends up rushing for 80 yards and scoring two of them, catches a few passes. He's up at like 25 points. Uh, CJ Stroud throws for 300 yards and two touchdowns. 
Uh, that puts him up at 23 points. And then Nico Collins having a big game, right? So this actually blends really well together. Uh, in order for them to score four touchdowns, the Panthers probably have to be pushing it in some way. And so then you can have the uh, like Adam Thielen and throw in Jonathan Mingo or Adam Thielen and DJ Shark. Or you could just say, hey, like Adam Thielen's so central to this offense, we'll just leave it at this for now and only throw in that, that extra guy if we kind of need the salary savings at the end. Let's do it. Let's do DJ Shark. Uh, so now that's kind of, we, you know, we talked about wanting to get AJ Brown on this roster. Um, so we could throw him on and then just see what this does to our salary. I, I mean, AJ Brown, one of the top pay up options this week, doesn't mean he's going to hit, but um, clearly a really sharp way to go up here. Uh, especially you got Tyree Kill against that Patriots defense that hasn't given up big games to anyone. You got Cooper Cup against Dallas, which he probably still gets his typical 25 to 30 points, but. Hard for him to have like one of his 35 to 40 pointers. Uh, Jamar Chase is actually a really interesting option against San Francisco because you can pass against San Francisco. Wide receivers see a lot of targets against San Francisco. Uh, Jamar Chase should have a shot at the nice game, but AJ Brown clearly like top in terms of matchup, targets, explosiveness, all that. So uh, yeah, I like I like this setup here. Okay, sweet. So now we're obviously going to get uh, the defense to get a sense of our salary. Um I'm honestly, I'm cool with the Titans, but maybe we can go cheaper. Um, Throw them in uh, there, man. Let's do the Titans. Right. Let's Let's pick, Titans. On, pick on Desmond Ritter a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Desmond, old old fumble, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> oh, like man. Six, six and five fumbles on the year, something crazy like that. Titans haven't really been, like, gotten, like, I mean, besides one game, um, like, at least, I guess, two games. Um, like, decent scores, though. Um They've broken ten points once. No, Is they're that... not. They're not an. Um, they're not an aggressive defense, but they are a very smart defense, and they're very opponent specific. So they're the type of defense that, you know, listen. They've given up. I think it's one and a half touchdowns per game, which is like the second fewest or third fewest in the NFL. It's really hard to score touchdowns against them, and they're going to capitalize on mistakes. So it kind of comes down to like, if Desmond Ritter plays a clean game you end up with one of these five point games from the Titans defense. Uh, and that's another spot where we can always kind of turn it into raw numbers, right? I always assume that you're getting just one point from the scoring prevention, because that's once you get, once a team scores 14 or more points, you're getting one point for your defense in that area. So then it comes down to sacks and turnovers. Well, you know, very easily the Titans could have two sacks and one turnover and that's five points right there. Right. And that's all you get. But also Desmond Ritter could have – he could turn the ball over three times and the Titans could score a defensive touchdown. So they're not like this super aggressive defense that's just going to force a ton of mistakes. But when they're playing a quarterback who can make mistakes on his own um, – and, you know, it's hard to run against the Titans, so you get more passing volume against them. So that kind of creates more opportunities for Ritter to make a mistake. I also like Ritter this week as a play. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Titans defense are definitely on my radar in terms of a defense that, that could have a nice game here. Uh, okay, we could also drop, I think, 300 more and grab a Jags as well. Jags against uh, old Kenny Pickett, who they don't let him throw throw the ball more than like 25 times. But um, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I, I like the Jags defense. There's this is a, I mean, I'm not deep in a defense yet, but there's definitely plenty of options this week at defense. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, yeah, I mean, look at the Jags scores. It's been yeah, what, 9, 12, 5, 20, negative four against that Houston team that you can't sack. Uh, eight, 11. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I like the Jags defense. I think they're very sharp. 
way to go. Um, Atlanta defense is going to be playing against Will Levis and Malik Willis more than likely because Ryan Tannehill is going to miss. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of different options at, at defense. It's a little early in the week to, like, worry too much about what we're putting on a practice bill just because yeah. I haven't really worked through my thoughts too deeply yet. But, yeah, I mean, any, any of these makes sense. Sweet. Yeah, let's just do Jags. Uh, gives us a little bit more salary. Cool. Well. And this gives us an interesting setup where uh, we've got 11.7K left in salary. Um, and we could actually – so let's see. Travis Kelsey would be too expensive to do it. I was going to say Pierre Strong is is available at like 40, at 4,300 for Cleveland. Um, horrible matchup, but it's a run-based team. Jerome Ford is going to be out, and Kareem Hunt is still dinged up. Pierre Strong had more snaps than Kareem Hunt last week. So with Pierre Strong, you're getting probably like a 15-touch running back for 4,300. Um and that's just an interesting way to save salary. Granted, Seattle's top three run defense uh, don't give up a lot of yards to running backs. Uh, let's say I pulled this up this morning. Uh, Seattle has the most yards they've given up to a backfield as a whole this year. 91 yards to Detroit, one of the best run teams in football, on 26 carries. Uh, second most yards that Seattle has given up on the ground 81 yards to the Rams backfield on 37 carries. So like the chances of one of these Browns running backs winning you a tournament really low, but Pierre Strong could technically help you win a tournament by getting eight to 12 points and freeing up salary for like an interesting structure where you get like Jamar Chase and AJ Brown. So that's something to think about deeper into the week. Obviously on this roster doesn't free up the salary to go to Kelsey. So instead we'll pick, a different tight end and um, and see what that does for our running back position. Um, tight end wise, man, we got George Kittle at 5,400 who no Debo, always an opportunity for him to pop off for a huge game. Um, and then, yeah, you know, obviously we'd go cheaper than that as well. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm cool with grabbing Kittle. What would that give us price-wise? Not too sure. I think we'd be at Yeah, that's going to give us – it's going to put us right in the DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Pacheco range, which – Oh, sweet. We can uh, grab Swift. Which is – yeah, and I don't know that I would necessarily pair Swift – I mean, you can pair Swift with A.J. Brown, but it kind of lowers your comprehensive ceiling, right, because you're playing them as a block of points. If one of them is having a monster game, it's taking away from the other. Um, so they can get to that like that. They can keep you on a 200-point pace – but they can't be the piece that pushes you to like a 250, 270 point pace. Um, so I would almost prefer Isaiah Pacheco in this spot. Um, Chiefs have talked this week about how they need to get the run game or fo continue focusing on getting the run game going a little bit more playing this Denver team. That's pretty bad against the run and has actually been getting better against the pass. So uh, Isaiah Pacheco is interesting and, and you could do the Deandre Swift route. Although then I might consider, moving off of A.J. Brown and over to Jamar Chase on this roster. Okay, yeah. So, like, one question that I have, um, we kind of talked about it earlier, like, where they get so ahead in the, the first half that they just start running it uh, in the second. Wouldn't that, like, be beneficial? Like, if you're telling a narrative that that's what would happen in this game, that you have both pieces? Yes, but then you would need A.J. Brown to hit on – lower volume right so you're threading a thinner needle as zandamir would say okay. you're needing like then maybe aj brown only gets nine targets but you still need him at this price tag to have his eight catches for 125 yards 
and one or two touchdowns because eight catches for 125, you throw the bonus on there. Uh, that's 23 and a half DraftKings points. You throw in a touchdown, he's getting up to 29 and a half. Um, so he could do it, but it's like on lower volume, it's a lot harder to have that monster game. And then, you know, Swift is getting the, the touches in the second half. Uh, and if they're ahead by too much, then Philadelphia is also going to be like, well, Swift isn't going to get 25 touches, right? They're going to just put Gainwell out there for 11, 14 touches of his own. Um, so Swift's touches don't necessarily go up if Philadelphia is controlling a game deeper into it. And A.J. Brown's touches would go down. So, um, okay. yeah, I mean, the blowout scenario doesn't really help you that much. Gotcha. I would almost prefer a back-and-forth type game if I'm playing both guys. And then if I'm playing both guys, you know, I'm probably trying to get a McLaurin on this roster um, to, to, you know, tell that story of Washington keeping this game close. Okay, sweet. Yeah, thanks for that clarity. I um... – I don't know why I had that in my head. I guess it's uh no, I mean, that's, and that's why working through it is always like, cause the layer one, it makes sense. Right. You, but it's always, I treat everything as questions. Right. So instead of being like, Oh, this could mean this. Well then the could means that I should then work through that to the next layer and the next layer. Yeah. Um, okay. Sweet. And so, yeah. And again, some of this comes down to, as I always say, like you, you personally, and you, the viewer, the listener don't have to do all this on your own. Um, ideally you're, you know, for me, like my process is going to be like 75 to 80% my own research and thoughts. And then like another 20 to 25% pulling in from what other people said or conversations that I'm having on shows and whatnot. And that, that kind of helps me pull my thoughts totally together. But for you, like 25 to 30% your own thoughts, and then the other 70 to 75% is leveraging what you're hearing in other places and sort of balancing all that in. Um, so yeah, like some of these things, you know, you have that question, but, and you try to work through it, but you might not have all the answers on how to work through it. So um, lucky for like fortunate for you, you actually have like, you can hop on here and just ask whatever questions you have and we can work through them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like very specifically, but yeah, I mean, just generally speaking, kind of hunt down those, answers because other people have done that thinking and that, that, that um, research for you in a lot of, in a lot of places. So yeah, really cool roster. We've got, we're basically betting on uh, the, I mean, we're betting on the Texans coming out. The Texans could win 31 to 17. So we're betting on the Texans coming out of the bye, having a good game and Damian Pierce kind of getting the load of the rushing work. We're recognizing that Stroud probably won't have a ton of passing volume, but because we're pairing him with Nico Collins, who can hit for these big plays, that's okay. We can still get our 300-yard bonus. We can still get our two touchdowns. Uh, so we, we say, all right, all right, Texans have a big game. Uh, Adam Thielen is obviously racking up a ton of receiving opposite that. Adam Thielen becomes even sharper on this Texans build because then if the Texans are scoring a bunch of points, they're going to be less aggressive on defense, give up more of these underneath throws to Adam Thielen. Uh, we've got DJ Shark on here saying that, you know, basically – we get these extra Panthers points. Panthers are falling behind. They're having to pass the ball more. Uh, DJ Sharks getting involved as well. Uh, then we've got just some really sharp plays in terms of uh, George Kittle, super high ceiling, can score 30-plus points. A.J. Brown, super high ceiling, can score 30-plus points. Isaiah Pacheco, he hasn't done it yet, but he can score 30-plus points given his role in this offense. Jags defense can put up 12 to 15 points. So we have just this one comprehensive story this one bet that we're placing on this texans and panthers game and then we're filling that in with like really high upside guys uh something that we can do because this isn't a super expensive stack that we're starting out with so yeah it's actually a really sharp roster for tournaments um it's one of those barbell type rosters like you're not necessarily 
finishing in the money as frequently as you would with other types of rosters because uh, you, you have so much concentrated on one game, right? But you're going to finish in first place more often than you would with other types of rosters because if that if you get that one bet right, like if you get the Texans-Panthers bet right, now you're just like, well, I just have high percentage bets, three high percentage bets around that in Kittle, A.J. Brown, and Isaiah Pacheco. Like that's pretty easy to win a tournament if you get that one bet right. So uh, yeah. yeah, really like the setup. Any final thoughts from you? Um, no, you know, I, well, <laughs> Question-wise, uh, I ask all the questions I want. And um, for the viewers, if you guys have any questions, hit them in the comments. I will try and uh, look through them and uh, be the uh, guy that asks JM and see what uh, he says. I actually um, I looked through the comments uh, last week, and uh, there was a couple – people are always – there's always people taking shots at Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of kind ones. One saying that they really love the questions you ask because it feels like the questions they would ask. And one uh, talking about how diesel you are. So you had your, uh, <laughs> your workout shirt, your muscles were popping out of that one. So, uh, <laughs> even for that. Awesome. Um, yeah. Ask questions. Keegan will read them. I, I typically don't, um, but mostly because I'm a boomer and, and partly because I don't need any, unneeded negativity in my life and who knows what's going to show up in comments, but uh, <laughs> you can dive down into the, the cesspool of, of, I, I heard YouTube is like the, the worst at this, by the way, like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Like most of the comments are pretty positive. So uh, we'll take, we'll take that. That's nice, but I'll uh, take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with that, thanks for hanging out. We will be back here. We'll have our FanDuel DFS, DFS lab tomorrow. If you have not been tuning into that, tune into that. If you play FanDuel, uh, and then on tomorrow, Keegan and I record our second DFS, uh, DraftKings DFS lab, and that will go live Friday night or Saturday morning. So we will see you back here for that. And we will see you on OWS throughout the weekend. We'll see you at the top of the leaderboards on Sunday.